All right, guys. So welcome back to Expand with Omar Alfaro and co-host JP. What's up? What's up? So this episode, we're going to be discussing just things that we're going through, uh, things that um, are happening in the market, and just overall conversation about what we do on a daily basis. And this podcast is meant to inspire you, educate you, and expand your mind just so you can see what's possible um, in your business. Or even if you're not in business, it gives you something to obtain and to strive for because guess what? I've been doing this for 20 years and I'm still learning. So you're still going to be learning a lot of things in your businesses, whatever that is. So sit back, relax, uh, pay attention, and um, hopefully you get something out of this. So let's get to it. Good to be back. Yes. That's it, man. A lot of stuff's happened since our last episode. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, this is what, episode three now? Yeah. Episode three. Exciting. So what are, we, sweet. what are we working on right now? Uh, we got a bunch of stuff happening. Um, guys, with this changing market, I will tell you that if you're not making some adjustments um, in your regular business, uh, you're probably going to feel a little bit more pressure because I think pressure is being built right now. And if, if anybody's telling you differently, they're lying to you. So I know that everybody's been affected a little bit. You know, um, I know companies that are cutting people, they're uh, reducing the amount of inventory they have. They're selling their properties um, at discounts, at losses, because they want to stop the bleeding. Um, and these, this is the investor side of it, obviously, uh, myself included. Um, and, you know, on the real estate side of it, well, I feel that there is a huge um, amount of buildup for demand right now. Uh, interest rates haven't moved too much, so they kind of stayed pretty steady. And I feel that all these buyers are on the sideline and they're just waiting. But I think they've been waiting long enough that now they're going to jump in. So if you're listening and you're a realtor, uh, go out there and represent some more buyers and make some offers because they're there. You just got to push them a little <laughs> bit um, because right now they can still get pretty good deals you know, in, in, the, real, in, the, in the real estate side. Um, and as inventory decreases... Uh, and demand increases, what does that normally do? When supply is low, demand is high, what ends up happening? Oh, yeah. I mean, with with that being said, more buyers are obviously going to want to jump on the supply if it's being low. But, I but, do wanna... but what happens when it's low, though? This is the thing. If the supply is low... Demand is increased. Right. So that means a seller can ask for more money. Correct. So as that ha as that happens, because right now the supply for houses for housing in general is low. Would you say we're at that point, or we're close to that point? I think. I mean, we're not there yet. I still right. think quarter two, quarter three, we might see a lot more. I know we're going to see a lot more activity. That means multiple offers, uh, more houses are going to be under contract. Because I think there was something that that I read, and then I saw that. Pendings shot up. And mm -hmm. if pendings shoot up, that means all these buyers were waiting. And that or sellers are dropping their price to get their property, you know, sold. But then guess what? There's still another influx of properties that are coming on the market. And what that means is there's more inventory. So all these other buyers are going to start picking up all this inventory. Yeah. And because at the end of the day, I think you know, regardless of what the market does, life always happens to people. So they either need to buy or they need to sell. Always. With, so let's touch a little bit 
on working with buyers and I guess you could say taking advantage of getting in front of more buyers and getting their deals accepted. Two years ago, it's easy to say that the other the sellers had the ball in their court, whether their expectations were realistic or unrealistic, correct? Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you think it's fair to say now the buyers are allowed to have unrealistic expectations? And what I mean by that is now a buyer can go in to a property that they like and they are able to throw a ridiculous you know, offer on the table where they're negotiating the price like crazy. They're asking for a ton of seller credit. Do you think the market isn't that at that point to where sellers had a huge advantage two years ago, but now it's the buyer's turn? Um, you know, I don't know if, if <clears throat> excuse me, if buyers will still make the offer. Now, is there going to be an unrealistic offer that gets submitted? Maybe, but most realtors won't. Um, let their buyer go make a thirty or forty thousand dollar under list price offer, and I would say, why not? Yeah, I would, I mean, that's what I want to get into. Like, why not? So, with that being said, do you think more realtors should need to more realtors should yeah get in front of their buyers that they do have and educate them more on hey, you know, whether it's a good time to buy or not. If you're able to buy, mm -hmm. it is a great time, and this is why. And because a lot of sellers don't know or buyers don't know that you're able to get a essentially a good deal on a house right now, you know, negotiate on price, you buy down your rate a little bit. Yeah, no, no, no. And you're right. I think more realtors need to like inform, inform the buyer that, Hey, listen, let's just make a $20,000 under list price offer. Because guess what you did to that buyer? That buyer now just jumped off the ledge to you. And now that you are the professional, you're the expert, you're the one that knows what the market's doing. At least you're informed and you at least swung the bat, mm -hmm. you know, as an agent, as a professional, you know, as a broker myself, yeah, I'll tell a buyer to make an offer, whatever they want to make. I mean, a hundred K under, probably not. No, yeah, that's a um, unrealistic. if they think, Hey, can we offer 10 K? Yeah, no, let's offer 15 or 20 K under. Why not? So as this, <clears throat> excuse me, as this market changes and it's changing, it's currently changing again, I feel that there is going to be like an influx of transactions happening here soon. And we got to get in front of it Yeah. regardless. This is why I want to start purchasing again, like hardcore on the investment side, um, you know, and being able to help those sellers out there that are, you know, in distressed or they absolutely need to sell because there's a difference between need to sell and want to sell. And that's something I want to explain uh, to our listeners is that obviously the need to sell is they're going through some type of life situation. Moving away from pain. Moving, oh, for, for sure. Moving away from pain. So they're definitely open to a, probably a quicker cash offer or, um, or an offer that might leave some money on the table for that seller because they want to hurry up and get away. But the ones that, you know, want to sell, well, Moving towards pleasure, I guess you could say. Not, not even. No, because if you're moving towards pleasure, that means you're leaving and you're upgrading, right? Or you might be downsizing. But not even the pleasure part of it. I think if there's more pain involved, if there's more pain involved for a seller, they're going to sell quicker. If there's pleasure involved <laughs> to a seller right now, they might stay put because they're going to weigh out the option of, hey – my purchase right now, I have a 3.5% loan or a 4% loan. Why am I going to go move up to a nicer house at a 5.5% interest rate 
and my payment's going to get doubled. I may not be able to go out as much. I may not be able to go do things with my kids because I'm strapped to a payment. So the whole pleasure part of it is, I don't know if it's, it's, if, if that's the right terminology yet, but I'd rather be focusing on people that want to move away from pain. And I think everybody needs to hear that because um, it opens up opportunities for you, but it also opens up opportunities for that seller because yeah. if that seller moves away from pain faster, then what did you do? You just help them get over that pain and that you help them start a new chapter, whether it's giving them cash, whether them it's staying in the house, whether uh, you're going to probably put them in one of your rentals. If you're an investor out there listening, I mean, there's so many, like there's more avenues if you find the people that want to move away from pain. Yeah. And so d diving into that a little bit <clears throat> with that being said, knowing that whether you're an investor, an agent, a broker, you should be in front of people that I guess you could start, guess you can say are in pain and that we have a solution for them through real estate. Right. There is no, in a sense, crystal clear strategy on how you get in front of people with more pain necessarily, really. Would you agree? There's, you, well, there's strategies. Well, yeah, of course, you pull foreclosure lists and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. something that you talked about earlier was making adjustments in this Adapting. market yeah. that's changing. Uh -huh. One of the adjustments that I think everyone needs to make is just 3Xing their activity, 5Xing their activity, right. 10Xing their activity because... Let's just start off with 2Xing. Let's just be realistic because to 10X your production <laughs> or to 10X your activities, that means instead of one hour on the phone, you're going to be 10 hours on the phone. Well, yeah. Let's, let's go, just say double. Yeah. Let's go 2X, maybe maybe 3X. That's okay. something that I've noticed is probably one of the key things that's going <clears> to <throat> separate someone. Yeah. That's going to, I guess you could say, last through this downfall of this market or changing market. Let's not even call it a downfall. No. It's just a change. Normalized. Besides increased in activity what are other things that people need to be focusing on that's going to move the needle forward in their right. business no i mean you, you you said it right there if you increase that activity that free throw that we talk about you know with the team you know kobe again god rest his soul he focused on shooting the free throw regardless of him shooting three-pointers, he wanted to make sure that he was really good at the free throw line. Why? So when the time does come, you're always ready to perform. Like you said it earlier, and I say it all the time, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. So that's something that you want to always brush up on with your skills, your dialogue, your role play, etc. But if you're going to increase any type of activity, make sure it's revenue producing activity, not, you know, just like anything else, you work out, you're fit, if you increase the amount of time that you're in the gym, you're going to see more results later. It doesn't happen tomorrow. Maybe for someone like you, it might happen in literally a week. You might see a, <laughs> a change because, you know, you're a spring chicken, uh, 24 okay. years old. And, you know, yeah. Sense. Let's it, go back to what we yeah. So anyways, no, no, this is part of it. So let, let, let's – Spring all chicken. Part of it. And, and because if you increase the activity in anything that you're doing – um, over time, it's going to compound, you know, and this is why this is crazy. There's this is why people that are in the business for a really long time, if they have executed um, consistently with learning new tricks and adapting every year, you see like, wow, damn, they made it. I was like, I, but did they really? 
Yeah, like, I, I think that also put the work in. I think that also comes with yes, <clears throat> like increase your activity. But how many people do we see get stuck on a hamster wheel? They're doing all this activity, but they're not really, in a sense, moving forward anywhere. So along with the increased activity, I think the second key component is like the people that you're around, your oh, proximity. Sure. 100%. You know, how does, obviously, you know, get around people that are doing business, get around people that are doing a lot of transactions, lock arms with them, see how you can provide some value. Mm -hmm. But with being in the proximity of those people, what, what do you think is the most beneficial thing that can happen for someone in this changing market while they're also trying to increase their activity? Your proximity, because then you can see what other people are doing that are successful, that'll, in essence, brush off. And maybe it could even be like, if you're doing something that's working, well, somebody else is going to do the same thing. And what if it works for them? Yeah. And then you're going to obviously try to see how you can improve it, not necessarily change it. <clears throat> it's always adding to. And sometimes though, sometimes, uh, let me be clear, sometimes it is removing some of the items that you do to replace it with other performing activities that'll probably move your needle forward a little bit faster and quicker than this other activity. Like is cold calling the best use of your time? Probably not. But is it effective when it does happen? Yes. Because, but then can you outsource some of the cold callers or cold calling? Yes. And you know what? What happened just recently? Yesterday. But what happened? We received one of our cold callers in our business, uh, in our wholesale business, made a contact. Then it was followed up with, with our boy Isaac. And what happened? Oh, yeah. We'll touch base on it a little bit. We uh, Isaac did the follow-up call. We set the appointment. I think it was last week. Yeah. But went through a couple of reschedules <clears throat> and uh, finally got the appointment with the seller yesterday. And we were able to purchase the property. Sweet. Yeah. And guess what? Could we have, and this is the example of the activity, could we have made those cold calls to get to that person to then follow up, to then keep following up because of the missed appointments by the seller? Um, could we have done that? And how much time would it have taken if we would have done that ourselves? Oh, yeah. The time difference is crazy because obviously you know, we have systems in place because the cold callers, it's not like sometimes they just answer on the first call. For sure. No way. So they're going through the cold caller. Hopefully they get connected on the first time. Once they talk to our cold caller, they're talking to Isaac, who, you know, in a sense does the process call. Mm -hmm. Once he qualifies that they're ready to receive a cash offer, either me, you or Jordan then talk to them yep. and close, close the transaction, I guess you could say. Well, not close the transaction, get the contract signed to then put it in escrow to get it closed. For sure. But yeah, it's definitely like going back to what you said, there would be no, we would probably have to spend three weeks of straight calling to get that result. Oh, I'm sure. Or more. Mm -hmm. The hours upon hours. So guys, remember, it's not just about the um, activity that you do. It's probably, it's more of the activity that's going to move your needle forward. And sometimes um, you can outsource it and it's inexpensive, you know, because you got to value your time too differentiating the activity that you do, I think is 100%. very, very important because 100%. there is some activity that you need to do that's going to pay you less than some sort mm -hmm. of activity. But it goes back to, I think, the delegation rule. For sure. Knowing what to delegate, knowing what your time is worth, mm -hmm. you know, 
Like for example, at at some point in my life, I used to change my own oil on my car because you did. Yeah, because I was like, I could I just think all of us did. Actually. I could just do it myself. I'm gonna you know go buy so the oil simple. for like sixty bucks. Yeah. We'll put it up on the jack. It's gonna take me an hour. Do you get a little chingada too to mm-hmm. to to to, gri- no, to grab the uh, the oil filter? Oh yeah, you have to buy the special yep, tool. The special tool, yeah. 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 But going back to what I was saying, fast forward a couple years, I I would not spend two hours doing that because that two hours I can use getting on the phones. That's gonna generate me a lot more money. While your car is being changed, while the oil is being changed at Jiffy Lube or wherever else you're gonna take it to. And you're on the phone waiting, but at that same time, you're able to set up an appointment or potentially even, you know, close a deal or send out a DocuSign, whatever. Yeah. And I think that simply just comes with time because me at that time, I'd be like, bro, why would I pay someone else to do it when I could just do it? Mm-hmm. You know, and fast forward a couple of years later, I think you start seeing what your time is worth and where your time should be allocated. I'm sure you, you go through that all the time. All the time. Where you I want to do, do this shit all. I want to do it all the time. Yeah. Where you do catch yourself doing something and you're probably like, wait. Why am I doing this? Uh huh. You know? uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. The, the delegation, honestly, is the ch- most challenging part. Um, some people are easy with it, or they they love it. Other people are like, you know, I'm a little, I'm a little more hardcore. You know, I learned from my dad that hey, he did it, he'll do it all. And of course, what do I want to do? I want to do this, 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 this. But I know it's not the best use of my time. But now I'm getting a lot better. I have some systems in place. I have people in place. And it's it's better. Yeah, for this sure. is obviously a much in-depth conversation. But just a little yeah, quote to touch one. on that. It's like the hustler has to die for the CEO to be born. True. I think you said that to me. Yeah, uh, I tell you that all days, the time. A few days ago. And then you keep telling me that. That's funny. It's for a reason. But let's yeah. touch base on that deal that we locked up yesterday. Because we're hustlers. Enough, yeah. Funny enough, we do have another appointment today, right yeah. after this podcast. Yeah, do, um, do you have any exit strategies planned? Because I think it'd be cool to people to see what we're currently doing with deals that we just locked up. So we got this under contract at probably 55, 57% of ARV. Uh-huh. There's a couple different exit strategies I'm sure that you have in mind already. Yeah, we do. So just on this one, uh, it's about a 55% um, you know, under ARV which is a great spread. So you're able to still leave money on the table for the wholesaler um, or for the new investor that wants to buy it. So there's two things. Since the cost of entry, um, let's just call it because we have it under contract for 160. Um, if I use hard money financing, it's 10%. So that's $16,000 out of my pocket to buy this thing. Okay. So 16K. But then I'm paying points and then I'm paying um, the costs to buy it, right? which might be about, let's call it 7,000 bucks. Okay. So $7,000 to buy this thing plus the 16K, right? Because that's the, the cost of entry. Then the rehab. That's just cost of entry before you even touch the house. Yes. Wow. Well, and 10% is cheap. Yeah. 90%, 90% first on with a eight or 9% um, interest rate, one point because I've, we do so many. Oh, so essentially that uh, 10% is your down payment. That's a down payment. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. They give you 90% of the purchase price. That makes sense. Okay. Um, and then you could actually ask for the rehab funds in there too, where you'll get it back after you fix up the house and then they pay you back. And then in essence, you know, you might be out of pocket, I don't know, maybe 10,000 bucks or something in the house, which is pretty cool because you get all your money back. Uh, and then you can flip it. 
But in this case, if we flipped it, it's probably worth about 300K and um, maybe a little bit more if we made it look nice. And the potential profit there is decent. I mean, it's, it's, I would say right now in this market, it is a home run for sure uh, on that one transaction. But remember, we're not going to get rich on one transaction. We want to go help more people. We're definitely solving a problem for her. Um, and that deal there, I mean, there could be a, you know, $70,000 profit um, or we can wholesale it, be out nothing, just put some time. And then maybe we leave it for somebody else to fix. And if we leave it to, for somebody else to fix, now they're going to be out of pocket. Let's just say that we tell them that we want 190 for the property. 190. There's nothing available in this specific area for 190. So we got it locked up at 160. We can sell it to another investor for 190. There's still enough spread there. And we make a quick $30,000 without any work. And it's literally bang, bang. It happens in 15 days. And that's what you call wholesale for those of you that yeah. don't know. Take the, in essence, just selling a piece of paper to another investor and we receive the spread. So it's, cool. I want to talk a little bit about the appointment because I think this is, I guess you could say a little bit of a growth factor. Yeah. I Going into that appointment, I see several business cards on her table of realtors that went to this lady's house to try to help her sell. Okay. And I think it was not necessarily like, oh, you know, they didn't get the contract signed. I got it signed because I didn't really feel that way. I kind of, it kind of made me feel almost bad for more homeowners out there that are in these sticky situations. Oh, for sure. But the professionals that get in front of them don't have necessarily, I guess you could say the necessary skills possible or the skills that they should have to be able to provide all the solutions for the seller. Yeah, not yet. Because, you know, yeah. Yeah, not yet, of course. And hopefully we're able to spread more awareness for and more sure. knowledge on how you can help your sellers. It was kind of like sad to see that so many people passed up on the opportunity to help this lady because they simply didn't know. And they did not listen. Good point on them not knowing what to do next. But the biggest factor is you don't listen to the client. Like when the minute you listen to the client and find out what her or his needs are or their needs are, guess what happens? You now under you you now truly understand like what they want. And I remember you telling me that that they want this, they want this, they want this, but they also wanted some upfront money after, you know, like the process goes because she wants to take care of a few things and whatever else, which is completely fine. But if you don't listen, and all you care about is, let me get the signature to list the house. You bypassed everything. And literally, this opportunity was presented to, what, 18 other people? Oh, 20 yeah. 20 people that, a, that were on that desk mm -hmm. or on that table? Investors, agents, all the above. And what's the difference? I mean, obviously, they probably were thinking differently. Um, so everybody that's listening, you know, you never know. That opportunity could be right in front of you, but you need to slow down. And you need to listen more, maybe ask a couple other questions. So then you understand what that seller's need is. And then that'll lead you to the relationship, right? That's going to lead to the signature because now we're going to be able to help this seller. And she's going to give us a five-star five star review later. Oh, yeah, no, for she's, sure. she's stoked. Down. She's very excited to work with us. It's a little cliche to say, but like when you care more, you close more. 
Guys, write that down. You know, when you care more, you close more. Mm -hmm. Solid. And it's true. I think that's just, it comes down to, you know, in order to care, you have to be able to listen. You have to be able to slow down. You Mm -hmm. have to be able to connect with the person in front of you. Yeah. So I think, I think that's a good way to, to end it off. Yeah. Guys do this. One thing, pay attention to your sellers. Hopefully you can understand what they're going through. Have some empathy. That's what I wanted to hit on is be empathetic on what they're going on. Not just pretending you're reading a script and saying, I can appreciate that if someone's going through a divorce or I can appreciate that if, <laughs> if literally, Hey, um, I'm behind on my payments. Oh, I can appreciate that bullshit. Wow. How can you appreciate that? How about be nice and be empathetic? Like if you're going through something like that. So next time, just slow your roll, listen a little bit more, be empathetic and create that opportunity for them to get them to their next chapter. And then that will deliver that signature. So freaking badass. I mean, it was a great episode. Awesome work. And yeah, this is just, we're just discussing what we do and hopefully it helps you. It inspires you. Definitely is going to educate you on what you need to do next, hopefully. And um, yeah, so I appreciate, we appreciate you guys listening, watching, and um, stay tuned for our next one. It's going to be cool. Take care. Call me here. Let's go.